This is the Education Gadfly Show. Have you watched Kentucky Derby? Yeah. Absolutely. Mint julep in hand. Julep, big hat <laughs> on my head. Really? What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. Here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming our special guest for this week, the McCracken of Education Reform, Senator Mike Wilson of Kentucky. <laughs> Well, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> That's quite an introduction. <laughs> I, I'm hoping you know that reference. Uh, McCracken is the uh, horse that right now is favored to win the Kentucky Derby. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're probably correct on that. I don't yeah, know, but no, you know, that's why they hold the race and uh, they have odds and all that kind of stuff too. So, But we do have one of the most famous racehorses that uh, resides right here at Ashford Stud uh, now, and uh, he is uh, American Pharaoh. Oh, Oh, wow. Indeed. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, Senator Wilson is a Republican member of the Kentucky State Senate uh, and chairman of the Kentucky Senate Education Committee, and he's here to talk about uh, Kentucky being uh, the next state to bring charter schools home. Also joining us is my regular co-host Alyssa Schwank. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey. Senator Wilson. Yeah, I didn't. I did not give you a horse name, Alyssa, but I can work I, on that. I appreciate not having a horse name. Actually, <laughs> I don't know that I know enough about horses to give you a name, Alyssa, but I can work on that. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> uh, well, Senator Wilson, congratulations on getting the charter school bill across the finish line, so to well, speak. Well, thank you, uh, thank you. Yeah, this is what I guess this makes Kentucky is it number forty-five in the country, maybe to get charter um, schools. I- I thought it was uh, 44, but it might be 45. But Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll give you 44. So, uh, you know, th- those of us here in Washington, of course, we've been watching this debate and excited to see this, this big news in Kentucky. Uh, just curious from your perspective, if you could tell us a little bit about how the debate went in our next segment that we call Ed Reform Update. Okay, so yeah, so Senator Wilson, what what was this debate like down there? We're just curious about what are the uh, we we of course follow these uh, charter school debates nationally, but curious what really resonated in Kentucky. Well, of course, you have uh, the the teachers associations, teachers unions that were all you know pulled out all stops against it, and that included all of our you know uh, principals and superintendents and everybody, and so and some of our representatives. And this bill started in the House. We've had this bill probably eight years in a row in the Senate and been able to pass it, but we could never get a hearing in the House. And so this year we flipped uh, to a Republican majority in the House. We also have a Republican uh, governor, and so we felt like, you know, the the real challenge is going to be in the House, so we let them, you know, go ahead and, and start the bill down there, and uh, they really had some work cut out for them, and I really applaud them. You know, Representative Carney was the author of the bill and uh, had a lot of support from a lot of different groups that worked and helped, uh, you know, go talk to members and, and answer all their questions, but at the same time, they were getting pressure from back home, because understand, some of these representatives, their largest employer in their district 
district is the school system. And so right. to vote for charter schools, that, that was going to be a real tough vote for them. So it, it passed uh, in the House and then was sent to us very late. And so we worked really probably all the way through the weekend and up until the time we were counting votes late the night before to make sure it was going to pass. And it still passed by a super majority in the Senate. Mm-hmm. So we were very That's happy great. to get charter, charter schools passed. Now, speaking of the resistance from some some representatives, you know, with their own, I assume, superintendents, school boards, teachers opposed to this. In, in the end, does the bill limit charter schools to just urban areas or, or can folks open these schools statewide? No, they can be open statewide. Uh, there's a double appeal process that if, for instance, the lo- it's through the local school board, and if the local school board uh, turns them down, they have the opportunity to appeal to the state school board. And if the state school board, uh, you know, does it sit, sends it back down and says, this is a great application, they've dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's, you should grant this. And they decide at the local board not to, then it could go back to a second appeal appeal at which time the, the state board can direct them to go ahead and issue the charter. That's a little bit how that works. And funding for them is uh, just like any other school. It goes right through the district and uh, they withhold the transportation dollars and the capital uh, dollars, but yet they still send out the per pupil funding to them just like they would to any other school in their district. So it's, it's a pretty good bill. I thought it was a pretty good bill. Oh, that's great. Well, congratulations again. I, I am curious about when, when this debate happened, if there were certain arguments that the other side was using that were starting to weaken uh, some of some of your own members. I mean, are there some things we should be doing nationally when we're advocating for charter schools, certainly in other states, that the last holdouts that are trying to get charters? What, you know, what, what are people here when they're saying, hey, don't vote for this charter bill because it's going to really hurt the traditional public schools? Is that basically what it comes down to? Are there other things we can be doing to try to highlight the benefits of charters? Well, I think funding is a big piece. And of course, us, uh, you know, our each state's constitution is a little bit different. Ours uh, talks about common schools. And of course, we feel like we'll probably end up getting a, a challenge on this somewhere along the line. But you really have to look at each state. But funding seems to be the big thing. You, you said it yourself that, uh, you know, they're going to lose funding on the public schools. But the way our schools are funded, they're funded per pupil uh, through the SEEK formula in Kentucky. So, you you know, if those kids aren't going to your school, then then you're not getting the funding for them and you're not having to provide the resources for them. But when the other school comes into play, those that those resources have to go to that school to fund them there. And uh, but that was constantly the issue. You're privatizing uh, schools. You're going to hurt our public schools. You're taking away our money. Th- those arguments right there. Thanks, Senator. And on the flip side, I'm kind of interested in the arguments that resonated for charter schools. Um, is it a matter of you know, more choice and more options for parents or a question of competition for low-performing public schools? Uh, what really convinced Kentucky House and Senate members that this was a bill that they should be in favor of? Well, I think, you know, our largest school districts are in, in Louisville and also in Lexington. Louisville is about 101 students in the, the one school district, and we have 14 failing schools, and they're primarily uh, in areas like the West End, which is high, high poverty, um, high African-American communities and, and that are there. And, and we have 
what's really a driver for me, uh, we look at the achievement gap between African-American students in those areas and that school district between that and white students. It's like 40%. So you'd have 17% of the African-American students proficient in math and then 57% of the white students. And to me, that was very unconscionable. And, and it's even worse in Lexington. I think it was like a 42% or 43% achievement gap. And so in those areas, those high every areas of poverty and underprivileged kids, and uh, we just we just weren't accomplishing what we need to accomplish through our public schools. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, again, so excited uh, for you, Senator Mike Wilson from Kentucky, uh, helped to get this charter school bill across the finish line, bringing Kentucky into the fold. Can't wait to see some fantastic charter schools open in Kentucky in the years to come. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. And that is all the time we've got for Ed Reform Update. Now it's time for everyone's favorite, Amber's Research Minute. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. So we had a great talk there with Senator Wilson from Kentucky. And of course, we were talking about the Kentucky Derby coming up. Ah, <laughs> do you right. do you uh, tend to watch the I Kentucky do. Derby? I do watch Kentucky Derby. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Mint julep in hand. Mint julep, big hat <laughs> on my head. Really? Got to yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and we go down to this thing. little local betting parlor in Richmond oh, that my, my husband and I go to. Heck nice. yeah, Is it called a saloon? By any chance. Uh, it's a pub. Oh, okay. You know, I, I have been thinking about whether it would be oh, uh, no. responsible to take the kids to our local horse racing. Uh, but what do you think? Is that is that a family-friendly activity? They're, they're, well, in the, where we go to, there's a little place out back where the kiddies can go that's okay. not like the bar area. They, yeah. have, they have, you know, tables outside. So. I might yeah. go first and check it out. And check it out. I, I think it would be it's, fun. Yes. Yeah, that yes. would be my There's definitely a bar alcohol element. So okay. as long as there's a you separate area that. that's not that, then yeah. I think you'll be okay. And I think Derby Day is slightly different than yeah, any I other. Yeah, do the Derby Day. Right. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> From my experience. This is, good. this is good. All right, enough with horses, Amber. What you got? <laughs> All right. Prior studies have shown that English language learners score lower on standardized tests, in part because why? They don't know the language. They don't know the language. Um, so here's really? a study. Somebody got, does somebody got money to study this? Are you serious? <laughs> on that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but anyway, there's also a theory that they have a hard time developing background knowledge. Mm. Okay. Um, in addition to the vocabulary issues. So this new experimental study out in the Journal of Educational Psychology examines whether an intervention designed to enhance Knowledge acquisition, you're going to like this, Mike, Mm -hmm. and reading comprehension for ELLs, this is our English language learners, actually does that. So, in other words, can you develop an intervention that will help them with developing background knowledge and that will then also help them to perform better on certain types of tests, Mm -hmm. okay? It's a 20-week intervention called PACT, P-A-C-T, Promoting Adolescent Comprehension of Text. It's a set <laughs> of instructional practices that have been modified. Supposedly, it's already like performed really well in other studies. So they okay. thought, okay, we're going to implement it. I mean, um, enhance it with more focus on content, academic vocabulary, and mm-hmm. peer discourse, where mm-hmm. you kind of talk with your peers about mm-hmm. some things. Implemented in 2013, 14 in three school districts, um, seven middle schools with moderate to high concentrations of ELL kids. About 1,600 eighth grade students participated in 94 U.S. history classes. Okay. Taught by 18 teachers, class sections were randomly assigned to 49 treatment and 45 comparison classes. So what's important there is the teachers can actually
actually be teaching both treatment and comparison classes. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so they have to go in and do a bunch of like implementation studies and spillover studies mm-hmm. to make sure that you don't not seeing the, the spillover. Mm-hmm. Um, the key difference is that the treatment students discuss and watch videos that provide background information relative to each unit. They learn a bunch of new words that are connected with the content mm-hmm. and they learn how to apply their knowledge. So one of these activities was what might have happened to prevent the Revolutionary War? Mm-hmm. And it builds up on all the stuff they've been learning mm-hmm. about the Revolutionary War. And by the way, is this all in English? It's in um, history. No, but, but no, no, no. in what the language English language. Oh, it's in English. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, the comparison group is business as usual. All right. And then they go in, by the way, aside, they find out that there aren't having spillover effects. They actually, um, it's a pretty cool study. They look at the audio of all the classes and listen to them and code them and make sure they're not the spillover and make sure that they've been implemented with fidelity. Check, check on all that stuff. Wow. All right. They gave them three tests, pre and post intervention, a content knowledge test, a reading comprehension test in the content area, and a regular general comprehension test. So these kids were tested to death. Findings were there. Treatment students, both ELLs and non-ELLs, outperform comparison students on measures of content knowledge acquisition mm-hmm. and mm. content reading comprehension, but not general reading comprehension. Mm. Interesting. Huh. Okay. And then I'm like, started thinking about that. Well, why would that be? And one thing was the general reading comprehension. It's those tests that we hate. Mm. It's like you read a passage, a, like a paragraph. So oh, God. Random passage, and you answer three to six multiple questions, multiple choice questions about it. Blah. Um, and it's divorced completely from the content they just learned. Whereas these other two tests were based on the colonial America, the road to the revolution and the American revolution, which is what they just learned about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Further, second finding, the proportion of ELLs in classes um, moderated the outcomes for content knowledge acquisition. That's wordy. But basically, if you had more ELL kids in, in like the higher percentage that you had of those ELL kids, then the differences between the ELL and the non-ELLs would, would be even drastic, would be even more drastic. So those, those, those um, kids, those ELLs performed even worse mm-hmm. when you had a higher and higher and higher percentage right. of ELL students. So okay. a, a, an integrated classroom is better for the English That's language. right. They kind of mm-hmm. found a threshold where if you had 10% or less, fewer ELLs, mm-hmm. it didn't make an impact negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you started going above mm-hmm. that, it would have negative um, repercussions. So the bottom line, I think, is that focusing on content knowledge appeared to be adv- advantageous wow. to these English language learners. Um, at least when you're talking about content-based test, when you're going to use this general right. reading thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem to make yeah. a big difference. At least I mean, in, in at this age group, which was, again, eighth grade. middle eighth grade. Pretty old. This could look very Older different kids. if we're talking about second graders, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. I mean, that's right. on the other hand, I think we would encourage people to have tests like tests and assessments aligned to the content that they're teaching just in general. Right. Though we, we have been making the argument here at Fordham and, and sort of the Don Hirsch argument is that right. if you teach the content knowledge right. that will show up in anything they read basically That's right. because they'll have more vocabulary, mm-hmm. they'll have more confidence. I know. Et That's et what that got me wondering up. about that. You know, is yeah. it just a crummy test or it was the one thing I did notice is it was timed mm-hmm. and you know, the other two weren't timed. Mm-hmm. So you wonder whether mm-hmm. that impacts kids. Mm-hmm. Look, eighth, eighth grade's late. I would say eighth grade is late. But this is also interesting. Look, the, the folks who push for school integration, um, you know, this should give them some more evidence. It, it's always been shocking to me when I dug into this for my book, Diverse Schools Dilemma, mm-hmm. available for only 99 cents on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, depressingly enough uh, <laughs> that uh, 
<laughs> that there is so little research, you know, I mean, going way back that it was always this correlational research because that's all they could do back in the right. day, right? Yeah. And, uh, but they had huge selection of problems, that's selection right. bias that, of course, the kids, African-American kids who ended up in integrated schools were going to be different than the kids who did not. That's so, right. mm-hmm. but, but in recent years, we're starting to see some, some real gold standard studies on integration and they're showing pretty good results. And here's another mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, it makes sense that, that if you have a, you know, a classroom where you know, half the kids are, are still learning English, that's mm-hmm. going to really create some challenges for teaching content. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you're either going to give more supports mm-hmm. um, or you're going to try to disperse those kids, you mm-hmm. know, more so and not have them concentrate in that classroom. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's encouraging for the most part, but you're right. I mean, no matter how, how you slice it, if you're mm-hmm. going to keep putting those kids who are struggling with the language yep. uh, in the room, with uh, it's, it's going to be harder. Like, yeah. we know this, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just going to be harder. But that said, um, this is pretty encouraging, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. for, for giving all kids a, yes. a content-based yeah. approach. It also seems like um, teachers, when they were implementing it, like, were able to implement it. It wasn't an issue of... It was a good curriculum for teachers, simple or easily implementable curriculum mm-hmm. for that's teachers, right. which is right. always great. Good on the fidelity side. And that's mm-hmm. a good point because some of these interventions mm-hmm. they try to do are like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. you need, it's going to take mm-hmm. more than a day of PD, which was, by the way, yeah. all these teachers had. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that uh, we have a new article out on Education Next about Hamilton, about using really? the musical to teach this topic, Revolutionary <laughs> cool. War History cool. in high school. So check that out mm-hmm. as Sound- well. Somewhere Robert Pondicio is smiling. And you too, A. Come on, you want to sing us out here, Alyssa? Uh, you do not want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. Cool stuff. Thanks, Amber. You're welcome. And thank you, Alyssa. That is all the time we've got for this week. Until next week. I'm Alyssa Schwenk. And I'm Mike Petrilli the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net. Yeah.